Thank you for downloading this sermon from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website at www.trinityspartanburg.com. 2 Samuel 17, this is the word of the Lord, it is eternally true. Furthermore, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Please let me choose 12,000 men that I may arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he was weary and exhausted and terrify him, so that all the people who are with him will flee. Then I will strike down the king alone, and I will bring back all the people to you. The return of everyone depends on the man you seek. Then all the people will be at peace. So the plan pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Then Absalom said, Now call Hushai the archite also. Let us hear what he has to say. When Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom said to him, Ahithophel has spoken thus. Shall we carry out his plan? If not, you speak. So Hushai said to Absalom, This time the advice of Ahithophel has given is not good. Moreover, Hushai said, You know your father and his men, that they are mighty men and they are fierce like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field, and your father is an expert in warfare and will not spend the night with the people. Behold, he has now hidden himself in one of the caves or in another place, and it will be when he falls on them at the first attack that whoever hears it will say, there has been a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. And even the one who is valiant, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will completely lose heart, for all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man, and those who are with him are valiant men. But I counsel that all Israel be surely gathered to you from Dan even to Beersheba as the sand that is by the sea in abundance and that you personally go into battle. So we shall come to him in one of the places where he can be found and we will fall on him as the dew falls on the ground and of him and of all the men who are with him not even one will be left. If he withdraws into a city, then all Israel shall bring ropes to that city, and we will drag it into the valley until not even a stone, a small stone, is found there. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord had ordained to thwart the good counsel of Ahithophel, so that the Lord might bring calamity on Absalom. Then Hushai said to Zadok and to Abiathar the priest, This is what Ahithophel counseled Absalom and the elders of Israel, and this is what I have counseled. Now therefore send quickly and tell David, saying, Do not spend the night at the fords of the wilderness, but by all means cross over, or else the king and all the people who are with him will be destroyed. Now Jonathan and Ahimus were staying in, at Enrogel, and a maidservant would go and tell them, and they would go and tell King David, for they could not be seen entering the city. But a lad did see and told Absalom. So the two of them departed quickly and came to the house of the man in Baharim, who had a well in his courtyard, and they went down into it. And the woman took a covering and spread it over the well's mouth and scattered grain on it so that nothing was known. Then Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house and said, Where are Ahimus and Jonathan? And the woman said to them, They have crossed the brook of water. When they had searched and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. 
came about after they had departed that they came up out of the well and went and told King David. And they said to David, Arise, cross over the water quickly, for thus Ahithophel has counseled against you. Then David and all the people who were with him arose and crossed the Jordan, and by dawn not even one remained who had not crossed the Jordan. Now when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey and arose and went to his home, to his city, and set his house in order, and strangled himself. Thus he died and was buried in the grave of his father. Then David came to Mahanaim, and Absalom crossed the Jordan, he and all the men of Israel with him. Absalom sent Amasa over the army in place of Joab. Now Amasa was the man, son of, the, of a man whose name was Ithra the Israelite, who went into Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister of Zeruiah, Joab's mother. And Israel and Absalom camped in the land of Gilead. Now when David had come to Mahanaim, Shobai, the son of Nahash from Rabbah of the sons of Ammon, Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite from Rogalim, brought beds, basins, pottery, wheat, barley, flour, parched grain, beans, lentils, parched seeds, honey, curd, sheep, and cheese of the herd for David and for the people who were with him to eat. For they said, the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated, please. So let's begin with a bit of review. You remember, it's been a number of weeks since we've been in this, but you remember that David has fled Jerusalem and Absalom has entered Jerusalem. So uh, David is fleeing east of Jerusalem and and heading away from from, uh, the Lord and Absalom is there uh, doing his... um, doing his best to win, continue to win the hearts of the people of Israel to uh, himself. And so uh, you remember that last time uh, Ahithophel gave the advice to Absalom that he sleep with his father's concubines. And essentially, and that, that was to make himself odious in the sight of Israel. And, and that really means that Israel was going to have to make a choice. It was forcing the choice between David and Absalom is what that was doing. And so um, that was the last advice that Ahithophel gave. And then we we come back to um, more of Ahithophel's advice. Remember, Ahithophel is uh, his, where was it? Just a, a chapter back, it says that his advice was like the, you know, it was like God speaking. It was uh, trustworthy advice. And then remember Hushai. Hushai is David's friend or David's counselor. He, um, David has more or less made him a, a spy in the Absalom's court. And so Hushai is there doing damage to Absalom in God's providence. And so those are the main uh, the main folks that we're dealing with in this chapter is Hushai and Ahithophel. And of course, David is there and Absalom. So Ahithophel goes to David and asks for 12,000 men. 
to pursue David. It's a plot to kill David, right? He says, give me 12,000 men, I'll come upon him while he is weary and exhausted and terrify him so that all the people who are with him will flee, right? So the armies will come up, he'll lose his men, and then, we will, um, then I will strike down the king alone. And so what, what strikes you about this plan is, um, is that it, it says in verse 4 that the plan pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. So everybody's like, this is the way we should go, this is what we should do. Um, remember, how many men does David have? He's got 600 men and their families with him, right? So a force of 12,000 would likely be able to overwhelm David. So then, strangely enough, Hushai has worked into the good graces of Absalom, and Absalom goes to, uh, Absalom calls for Hushai. Right? It's, a, it's a real coup that Hushai would be drawn into the king's uh, presence at this point. And Hushai is going to play Absalom. Right? He's going to play him. He's going he's to manipulate Absalom. And so he contradicts Ahithophel's advice. The first words out of his mouth um, <clears throat> when Hushai had come to Absalom, verse 6, uh, Absalom said to him, Ahithophel has spoken thus, shall we carry out his plan? If not, uh, you speak. So Hushai said to Absalom, this time the advice that Ahithophel has given is not good. Well, in the Hebrew, not good comes first, right? It's at the end of the sentence here, it, it de-emphasizes it, but um, in the Hebrew, it's like not good, this advice of Ahithophel, not good. And then Hushai paints a picture what, what sort of picture does Hushai paint? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a mother bear and a cubs, but who, who's he talking about now? He focuses on King David, and he, he paints this picture of King David and his mighty men that they are fierce, right? He says, look, you are not dealing with your average force here. You are dealing with David and his mighty men. David is an expert in warfare. Word is going to spread. If, if you attack them and they, they attack you and slaughter you, then word's going to spread and the whole kingdom is going to be undone and scared and um, weak at the knees. Um, Absalom's men, it says, will be disheartened. Even the valiant ones will lose heart. Right. So if David um, and his mighty men bring the slaughter, then it's going to just dis, disenhearten the the whole, um, whole of Israel that's going after Absalom. And so his counsel, verse 11, is gather Israel and you lead them into battle. Gather all Israel together from Dan to Beersheba, from north to south, right? Bring them all together and you lead them into battle. And then destroy them. Destroy the cities, destroy all of them. And so, sure enough, whose, whose advice does Absalom take? Hushai, and why do you think he takes Hushai's advice? Ryan, you're smiling. Okay, who better to carry out his plans than himself? 
right? What do we know about Absalom? He's what? He's vain. He's vain. He's violent, right? He's already committed murder. He killed his brothers, right? He's violent. He's vain. He is a hater of his father, right? He's disobedient to parents. Um, he's, he, uh, I mean, in that sense, he's overthrowing the, the Lord's anointed, so he's an idolater. I mean, we, I think we could work through all the commandments and we could come up with examples, specific examples of, of Absalom having broken them, and he's, he's begun embodying someone who does not fear the Lord. Right, but but that you mentioned vanity is very good. I Absalom goes with Hushai's advice, um, <clears throat> and we know. And then we're we're let behind the the curtain, so to speak. Right in verse fourteen, Absalom and all the men of Israel said, "The counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel, for the Lord, right, for Yahweh had ordained to thwart the good counsel of Ahithophel, so the Lord might bring calamity on Absalom." So we're let behind the scenes that this is God working out His plans through these extraordinary means. And the plan, in the end, is for Absalom to meet calamity. And certainly that is what happens next chapter when Absalom is slain. But, so look at the difference between the two councils. Right? Look at the difference. One, Ahithophel says, let me uh, gather a force together of 12,000 and... um, We'll pursue David tonight. Right, speed. Speed, surprise, and attack. It just makes military um, strategic sense for him to, to go quickly, to get it done tonight. Surprise is always what you want in battle. Um, and yet, what does is what is, um, Hushai say? No, 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 no. Gather your forces from north to south. This is going to take time, right? To gather all the mighty men of Israel that are going to fight in battle to, to him, to Jerusalem, is going to give David all the time he needs to, to further hide himself and to run away from, um, run away from, run away from calamity. Um, and so that's a very slow process. So Ahithophel is saying, be very quick. And Hushai is saying, no, get, um, be slow. Um, one saying, you know, cho- chosen men um, should, be, uh, should be going with me leading. And, and uh, Hushai says, no, it should be all Israel and it should be you, king, to lead them into battle. Um, and notice that uh, notice that what Hushai is um, counseling here is actually what Ahithophel is counseling. Is essentially what David counseled Joab to do with Uriah, right? Get his men away from him, isolate him, and then you can deal with him individually. And so there are echoes of that in this. But... Um, <clears throat> So we see the difference in the counsel of these two man, men. We see that Ahithophel's counsel is actually really good. It, if, if 
the king had, if not the king, if Absalom had followed it, then uh, likely uh, things would have turned out differently. But God had something else in mind, and that's why the heart of the king was swayed to follow Hushai, a man whom he should not have trusted, but he does. Now, Hushai goes to David's priests. Remember, David had set up those priests as spies as well. The priests were um, in, in working in the temple, but they're in Jerusalem, and, and so, um, or in the tabernacle. And uh, they're in Jerusalem, and so they're sort of this go-between um, for information. They go to David uh, with Hushai's warning. Hushai doesn't know, really, if you, if you look at the passage closely, Hushai doesn't know that, Ahith- that Absalom has chosen his counsel, right? He, for all he knows, I mean, he's reporting Ahithophel's coming, to David, and so um, they go to David with this warning. Uh, verses seventeen to twenty is um, uh, this this communication. It's witnessed by a a boy, a lad, who goes and tells Absalom. Um, and then uh, these men are hidden, and we get another example of Rahab's lie. Right. This is, you know, you remember Rahab hiding the spies and lying in order to protect their lives, right? Telling them that the men had gone and yet they were up on her roof under the, what was it? What were they hidden? Under the flax stalks, right? And so the same thing happens here. The woman takes a covering, spreads it over the well of the mouth, scattered grain on it so that nothing was known. Then Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house and said, Where are Ahimus and Jonathan? And the woman said to them, They've crossed over the brook of water. And when they searched and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. So um, another example of, of, of uh, redirection, another example of deception being used to protect the good guys here, which is exactly what Rahab is not condemned for, but commended for in Scripture, right? That she we would use deception to um, throw off the enemies of God. And so there's a lot more we could say about that, but that's not um, tonight's passage. Uh, David is warned. He and his men cross the Jordan. They're going east, right? They're crossing over the Jordan further away from Jerusalem. Ahithophel, then, we find out what happens to Ahithophel. Now, when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey and arose and went to his home, to his city, and set his house in order and strangled himself. Thus he died and was buried in the grave of his father. Now why does Ahithophel do this? Well, his counsel's not taken, right? And he sees the writing on the wall. My counsel was not taken. There's no, um, the, the king does not trust me. And if, the, if, if Absalom is the man he is, then my days are numbered anyway. And so um, he takes... Uh, his own life. This is also a sign of what will happen to all of God's enemies, right? All of God's enemies, those who counsel against the Lord's anointed, those who counsel against the Lord will, uh, 
will come to an end, right? And so that's what we see here. He, um, I just, I find it interesting how it's described. He, he goes, he, he, uh, it's just so, um, so simply laid out here, one thing after another that he does. When he saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey, he rose, he went to his home, to his city, set his house in order, and strangled himself, right? Strangely um, purposeful, a very deliberate path that he took, um, which, which perhaps, <laughs> perhaps that a, that's a path that those who are about to end their lives take. They finally have a moment of clarity, unfortunately. They have a moment of clarity that, okay, I know my way out. I know what I can do. And it's strange that why do people who kill themselves set their houses in order before they do so? And here he is setting his house in order. I mean, before I write a sermon, I set my office in order. I can't write without having everything in its place. But here, Ahithophel is about to kill himself, and he sets his house in order. He, he, um, he arranges, you know, you can just see him arranging things or even just laying out plans for the future when he's gone, doing, uh, making sure his will is in order or whatever, you know. But there he is doing that, about to do, doing the most selfish thing, and perhaps setting things in order is an apology to those that you're afflicting when you take your own life and do that act of selfishness, right? It's the last sort of I'm sorry. It's to set things in order before you take your own life. Uh, suicide is wicked. Suicide is um, the, the, the most selfish act and the most proud act of sin you can take before God, to take your own life to take the, the, the days of your life and by your own hand shorten them. Self-murder, right, is wickedly proud. It is not the sort of thing that you want to commit right before you stand before God Almighty and face His judgment. That last act being that. Would that the last act you have before you die is some act of love towards somebody else, some act of forgiveness, some act of, of um, seeking for forgiveness rather than um, the taking your own life. Uh, we have to be very clear about this. Suicide is terrible sin and wickedness and should never, ever be an option for a Christian. Period. It is not. Um, uh, those who kill themselves think they are bringing order, don't they? they? They're like, okay, finally order. Finally order. Finally, not, you know, finally order for me. I've, I've lived through chaos. I've done, I've done this or that. My conscience is so burdened, and this is a way to, for me to silence my conscience. And so they think it brings order, but they, they're not bringing order. They're bringing, they're bringing deep, deep hardship for everybody else, right? Who has to bear the weight of that death. And so uh, 
if, if I ever have to preach the funeral of somebody who has committed suicide, and I hope I never have to, but if I have to, you have to hold me accountable to fill that sermon with warnings against it and not speak past it and not just cover over it like it was nothing. If I don't just head-on address it, you pull me out of the pulpit and tell me that I've failed as a pastor. Right? I hope I don't have to do that. I hope um, that's, the, that's the worst sort of situation to have to, to preach into. But, um, but I would hope that the predominance of what I said would, would, be, uh, would be warning. Okay? Do not take that most selfish of acts before you stand before God. That is not to address the question of whether Ahithophel could have repented in his groaning last moments and been before the Lord in the righteousness of Christ. That is, but, but no one's seeing that fruit, right? And so it is hard to know. Okay, after that, Joab is replaced. You remember Joab? Joab is, is David's commander of the armies, right? Joab was the one who helped David out when he was in a jam with Uriah and Bathsheba. Joab is now replaced with Amasa, which makes sense that Absalom would do that, being wary of the allegiance of... Hello? Being wary of the allegiance of... Um, of uh, Joab. And so Amasa um, goes uh, in Israel and Absalom camp in the land of Gilead. Now, at that point, we see this wonderful provision of David from whom? Who brings provisions for David? A bunch of Bunch of Gentiles, right? Now you remember David's been in exile before and he lived among the pagans. He made, him, he made himself useful in that context and perhaps some of that is coming back around um, to favor him. And so provision is being made for David from the Gentiles. Ahithophel is spilling his blood on the ground. His counsel hasn't been taken. Absalom thinks that he's about to go and destroy um, David and all of those that go with David, and here God makes provision for David from the Gentiles, right? How encouraging is that? Um, supply lines aren't cut off for David because he has God as his Lord, and, uh, and here it comes, uh, this wonderful, I love, I always love these, you just have the sense that their culinary, um, their normal culinary routine was, was just not as diverse and tasty as ours, but then you read these lists and you're like, okay, that does sound pretty good. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, everything to cook, everything that they need to, um, to uh, put together a meal for the people so that they might be strengthened. And what a beautiful statement at the very end. These Gentiles say the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness felt an obligation just to care for them in the wilderness and bring them provision. All right, so that's the passage. I have a couple applications. First, 
strategy. Thinking about strategy. Absalom errs when he leads... um, Absalom made a mistake when he goes to Hushai and he leads with Ahithophel's advice. Right? He's not thinking strategically because if, if Hushai knows exactly what Ahithophel has said, all he has to do is poke holes in the plan. It's stri- strategically not the right thing to do if you're ever in a situation like that. Right? Now, Hushai... Um, Hushai could just poke holes in the plan. It's better to have, you know, what, what uh, Absalom should have done is said, what do you think we should do? Right? Not reveal the whole plan of, of Ahithophel. Better to have simply asked his advice without revealing other plans. Um, then use sanctified wisdom to decide between the two options. Right? But what he did is just opened himself up to be played by Hushai. Hushai knew how to, and then there's this, Hushai knew how to stroke Absalom's ego. That is exactly what's going on there. He is stroking his ego. He's vanity. I mean, he's, he's playing to his vanity. You lead the army. You take the army into battle. You know Absalom wants to do that. That plays right into his violence. And, and just that violence and, and bloodthirstiness, he knows that that's there. And so when, when uh, Hushai says, destroy all of, it, all of these men and destroy David, kill all, um, that pleases Absalom. It pleases him. Uh, this, this is manipulation by God's ordination. That's what Hushai is doing. He's manipulating the king based upon God's ordination, God's use of means. Um, Ahithophel could have won Absalom's victory, but Hushai can nourish Absalom's arrogance. Right? Ahithophel would have won him a victory, but Hushai feeds into his arrogance and nourishes it. Uh, more, one of the commentaries I was reading said, more often than not, that is the manner of God's work. His scepter is unseen. His sovereignty hidden behind the conversations and decisions and activities and crises of our lives. We see only grocery lines and diaper changes and school assignments, but through and over and behind it all, Yahweh rules. He is not absent, but neither is he obvious. Sometimes we must be told that lest we become too enamored with our Hushais. Right? He's, he, um, I think that's important to, for us to understand is that God is providentially working through all things that are going on even providentially working through the manipulations of, of Hushai. Second, are you easily manipulated? I mean, think about that question. Are you easily manipulated? Uh, like Absalom. Manipulators feed on and focus on other people's Peculiar weaknesses, sins, right? Um, personality 
things. Their vanity, their anger, their violence, their lack of smarts, their gullibility, whatever. Uh, Manipulators are masters at finding the chink in somebody's armor and then exploiting that for all it's worth. Right? All of us can be played. All of us can be played at times. And when we are played, we usually jettison truth for satisfaction. That's what we do. When we're, we're manipulated, we say, we know what's right, we know what's God, God, what God's Word says, but this person has just played to my vanity. I really, really like that, and I really, really want that affirmation, and I, I'm really going to do what they say, even though God says do something else. I mean, that happens to us all the time, right? We are manipulated and, and, and when we are manipulated, when we are played like that, we jettison truth for satisfaction. That's what happened with Absalom. Right? Absalom should have recognized the strategic superiority of Ahithophel's advice. He too should have perceived the manipulation of Hushai. He should have perceived it, but his vanity left him blind. His vanity shut down his discernment. Those words sound so good. You know what? I should lead, the, lead this whole army into battle myself. I should get a chariot and I should be right up front and I should be, you know, I, I think that's going to be a good look for the king. And wait until, I, wait until I raise David's head from his body. Just like David did to Goliath. Right, and so he, these thoughts are raging around in Absalom's mind and his vanity gets the most of him and he leaves behind what would have been good advice for poor, uh, poor advice. Thankful. Um, it's very strange. We're, we're using these examples and Hushai's doing good work, but he's the one manipulating. There are layers and layers in here. Um, so how do we avoid being easily manipulated? Well, you have to constantly input truth into your head. You just constantly input truth. You input the Proverbs into your brain. You memorize the Word of God. You input the Word so that when the manipulator comes along, you have a repository of truth that's on the forefront of your mind. Right? It's, it's very active in your, um, your, your thoughts. And then that becomes a protection from your own wicked, deceptive heart. Right? Your heart that wants to go after these things. Your deceptive heart that really loves to have your ego stroked. Right? And then truth comes in and says no. It says no to you. It just says no. You may not go that direction. You may not live for yourself. You must live for God. And... And so you have to know when you're being played also. You have to have wisdom about when you're being played. And generally, if you're talking to another human being, it's likely you're being played. That's how we communicate with each other, and it's terrible wickedness that we always engage ourselves in. We're constantly trying to manipulate other people. And we should not. We should not. That should, our words should be a blessing to others. It should be for the purpose of edification, building up for the, for the good of the moment, not for, let's see how I can get him to do what I want him to do 
for my ends, right? So much of our speech is that way. Also, know when to be as wise as a serpent like Hushai, particularly when dealing with God's enemies. When dealing with God's enemies, think of the woman in this case. Think of the woman who hid and deceived. Think of Rahab who hid and deceived. Right? There's manipulation going on there too but it's specifically addressed toward God's enemies. And I think that is necessary. You think of Corey Ten Boom hiding Jews against the rules, right? And using words or using actions or using facial expressions to manipulate their oppressors. Right? There has to be a, a serpent-like wisdom that is legitimate for us to use. And then you have to know yourself, right? You have to know yourself. Um, what, are, what are your weaknesses that lead you to be easily played? You know, where can somebody scratch your itch where you're like, okay, I'm done here and I have no will anymore. I will just do what the other person wants me to do, right? You have to know yourself. You have to know when, when you can... Uh, when you're being played? Is it vanity? Do you like it when people point out that you're attractive? That you are handsome? Right? That you are tall? That you have a very nice haircut? I mean, it doesn't take much for us to be easily manipulated. One little, little helpful, or one little, you know, uh, a comment and, you know, somebody's got us in their hand. Is it ambition for your increase? Is it ambition for the, your name to be recognized? Right? That, that there's godly ambition, there's worldly ambition. Um, godly ambition obviously is good. Worldly ambition is against godly ambition. And so, do you want to make a name for yourself? And so, anything that leads to that end is like, okay, I'll follow you wherever you take me if you're going to increase my name. Um, is it vengeance? Do you have a particular taste for vengeance? When somebody does you wrong, anybody who helps you get back at that person, you're going to follow them. Right? Vengeance. Some of us have a vengeful spirit like that. Or is it victimhood? You, you know, when somebody makes you feel like, yeah, you, you really are a victim. You have been oppressed by your husband. You should not submit to him. You are a victim of your husband. You're a victim of your children. Your children are running you ragged and they're not thankful. Right? You should, you should give up this motherhood thing. And you think to yourself, yeah, I really am a victim. And you're played. And then the next thing you decide to do is abandon your husband and children. Because you, you played the victim. Is it respectability? Do you want to be respected? Right? Is it greed? Anything that has to do with money? Right? I will, you know, it just makes me weak. I can't resist being able to make a few bucks here and there. Is it money? It makes you easily manipulatable. These are all things that, this is the work of self-examination. Those are just examples that I'm generically laying out here. I don't, I don't know your specific 
I know some of your specific issues. I, I do know. I do hope that you know that I'm obligated to know the sheep, right? I'm obligated as a pastor to know the sheep, and so when I give examples, yes, I'm being specific, right? I'm being specific without calling you out by name, okay? But that's what pastors do. That's what fathers do, right? Fathers do the same thing. And if their fathers are never specific, well, then they're never ever disciplining their children, right? Fathers have to be specific. Um, business owners have to be specific. In fact, they have to keep notes so that the lawyers don't come in, right? And so um, I'm, I'm using these as I think through our, my own particular sins and our particular sins together. And just remember this, there's no temptation that isn't just common to man. We all struggle in many ways. And so when you come away convicted from a sermon because you've done the work of self-examination from the sermon, be thankful for that because that's the Holy Spirit at work in you. Okay, Be thankful for that. Don't be offended. Be thankful. Right? Any other thoughts on this passage that people are cogitating on? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and the backdrop for all of that is Hushai's loyalty to the Lord's anointed, which is his loyalty to God, which is a, a glorious thing. It put him in a terror, I mean, it put him in great danger. I mean, who wants Hushai's job when... when a, Ahithophel's advice wasn't taken, and look what happened to Ahithophel. He goes and kills himself. And Hushai was in the same position as Ahithophel. And by God's providence, the, you know, Absalom chose his, his way. But um, there, is, there is a man being loyal to God and loyal to the Lord's anointed and doing all that he can to um, make sure that uh, David is back in his rightful position. Anything else? That's true. Yeah, we can't forget that. That is a fascinating part of this whole thing is we forget that Ahithophel is the granddad of Bathsheba. And there's got to be some bitterness. And... And so that's why he's with Absalom. 
That's why he's with Absalom, and that's why when Absalom, when when he says when he sees Absalom is even against him, that's why he's like, "This is it." Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. Well, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that uh, passages such as what we went through that we don't uh, that don't immediately come to mind. Uh, Father, are so fruitful and, and thick and uh, delicious in training us in righteousness. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, you would help us to remember these lessons. I pray that we would do the work of self-examination to, uh, to see where we are manipulated by others and in being manipulated, go against your word. And I pray that we would repent. Pray that we would have your truth in our minds and that we would meditate on that truth and that we would always have our loins girded, so to speak, ready to, ready to do uh, what is right, ready to uh, honor you in every circumstance. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.